0: Welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started Podcast. I'm your host Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey, where we talk with people who are trying to live their most fulfilling life, which often tends to be on a much different path than it started out on. Whether it was changing careers, getting laid off from a job which sparked their entrepreneurial journey, getting in the best shape of their life, or breaking through the noise to answer their calling. All of these types of situations and more but they wouldn't have gotten to where they are today if they didn't get started. We talk about the why and the how of it all, all the getting started moments, and the lessons learned along the way. I'm truly grateful to have you listening in on this episode, so let's get it started. On this week's Just Get Started podcast, I welcome in my longtime friend, Eric Arbe. Let me give you a quick background on Eric before we jump into the episode. Eric is an entrepreneur and full-stack web developer and currently runs Arbay Digital and Golf Web Design. He has built software and websites for clients in numerous different industries. He's also started and sold several different companies over the past 15-plus years. Most recently, his venture into the law tech industry has led him to build Willio.com, an online estate planning tool with a focus on digital wills. He's also been a PJ professional since 2005 after graduating from Methodist University. His most recent online golf venture is backswing.com, a golf instruction platform that connects golfers to top golf instructors around the country. And I always enjoy when Eric and I get a chance to talk. It's been way too long, so I was excited when uh, he was able to come on the podcast, not only share his journey with this new venture, willio.com, but also jump into a lot of his past and how he got to where he is today. Excited to jump into this interview, so without further ado, please welcome in Eric Arbe. Eric, awesome to have you on the podcast, man. Thanks for joining. Brian, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's great to be here today. This is a long time coming, dude. I know. Obviously, we've known each other for, and I probably, in the intro, I'll say this when when I actually record that, but um, you know, obviously, we've known each other for what, 16, gosh, 18 years probably now. Yeah, like, holy crap. right. oh, one or yeah, something like that. Yeah, so it's yeah. been a while. Um, Crazy. And, you know, I wanted to have you on, because obviously, you know, this podcast all about getting started, kind of overcoming, whether it's fear, anxiety, everyone's got their thing. Uh, and just learning along the way. I've always been, you know, I've always admired you for a lot of the things that you've done. Um, and you've kind of, you know, similar, I, I guess, maybe I look up as the out of the box thinking, you know, you're not, you're, you're kind of cut from a different clock. You're not it. going with the, <laughs> with the, with the norm. And that's kind of where I wanted to start here. And, th- and then we'll go on a few tangents. Um, one of the things I, I circled here that was really important for me to understand, cause I don't think you and I ever talked about this. So obviously, you know, for folks listening in that aren't familiar. Like, so we both went to you know, Methodist university. We did the mm-hmm. golf management program, you know, kind of to, to be in the golf business. Did you have aspirations at that time, like when you were in college to actually develop software to run your own business down the road when when did those ideas start in your head if they weren't during college
1: man i had zero intentions of being an entrepreneur or web developer or business owner in college i knew i've always like liked that idea but in college i just swore i was going to play on tour and that was it like that was the only thing um but yeah it's funny because when I think back um it was probably when I was like on the Korean tour and I wasn't doing so well I was like missing cuts and I was like what if I don't have golf like what would I do and it was like kind of devastating I was like if I didn't have golf like honestly I was like I have had I don't want to sit at a desk all day I don't want to like I didn't really want to teach golf, even though I didn't mind teaching golf, but I don't mm-hmm. want to teach golfers for a living. So I was like, I really was like struggling with like, what am I going to do? And so, and that's like, you know, when you, when you do something at such a high level for a long time, that's your life. That is all, you know. So once that thing leaves, you're like, well, what's left? What do I have? I have nothing else. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a struggle coming back from the Korean tour to like, you know, I worked as like a, an assistant and then I was a caddy for a while just because like the hours were flexible but looking back on it that was actually like the best thing that could have happened was caddying because I was able to caddy have time you know caddy be done by like 11 30 in the morning if I got a good loop still make a good you know amount of money and then have the rest of the day to like screw around the internet and find out what I want to do with my life you know go on craigslist and find random jobs that I could do to make some money and then that's actually how I kind of got into web development I knew a little bit, and then I was able to get a few jobs on Craigslist, and then go from there. Um, So, yeah, that's I don't know. I never really had that mindset, but I think it developed really quickly during that time frame after realizing that golf wasn't going to be it for me. That like playing on tour wasn't going to happen. It was a really tough thing to come to, but like that's like I think one of the things you got to like realize in life that sometimes there's times where you have to like be honest with yourself and realize, hey, this isn't going to work out. This isn't going to happen. Maybe do something else.
0: Yeah. So, and I want to circle yeah. back the, to that for a little bit, but I'm curious. You mentioned something about like going on Craigslist and looking at from, yeah, like the web development side. But even, but it, and again, just for context for folks that listen in, I mean, this is back like probably oh five, oh six, oh seven, oh eight, 07. 08, yeah. uh, eight. Okay, so this is like this is pre Twitter. This is like YouTube yes. just started. Like this is not yes. a couple years ago. This was a while back. Right. Um. So how did how did you have, I guess, maybe the, maybe foresight is the best word, like to think, okay, web development, is that something, was it more just to make a few bucks or like, hey, is this going to be something I see going forward, like more people are going to get their own website, mm. more people are going to need this?
1: I got into web development because my, my wife's cousin created my website for golf like rbaygolf.com. He created that for me and I wanted to take it on and figure out how to do it. And once he showed me that, it kind of clicked. I was like, I get this. And so because I kind of had that little bit of experience, um, I don't know why I just went on the, I was like, I have this kind of skill and it's fun. So let me just go on Craigslist. And I literally just found jobs to do like little things I really didn't know how to do, but I knew I could figure them out. So I just did and people, you know, I got a couple bucks here and there and I kind of liked it. So, But I wish I could have said that, oh, I knew the web's going to be big back then. I didn't yeah. know. I just liked that I was able to do it from the comfort of my home. And we were living in on an island called St. Simon's Island, but it's like a remote place where there was no city life, like no like stuff to go do. So like the more remote opportunities we had now, of course, it's like what everybody wants but like back then it wasn't really a thing but that was like what we were forced to do because we'd have to go to Jacksonville or Savannah and drive an hour and a half each way to go like have like city life or stuff for young couples to do so at that time like the internet was like awesome because I could like connect and you know find jobs like that yeah so it ended up working out but no I didn't have the foresight to be like yeah I know
0: this is gonna be big well, I, I mean, I guess at some point though you had to because similar to you, I remember um, my buddy Ryan put up a Flash. You remember Flash? <laughs> right? Yes, of uh, course. My first website for for golf, I think it was 07, was a Flash design yes. website. Um, and but but when you got when did you start golf web design? What we, what you were doing was was, Oh, the end of Oh nine. We started golf web design. But that was well before it's time though. Right. I mean, that was still very early when golf professionals were getting their own site. Like a lot of folks Mm -hmm. weren't doing that. Mm -hmm. So is that something as you started developing, like, when did you decide to say, wait a minute, I'm a PGA professional. I know the golf industry. Why don't we just do it here? Yeah. How did, how did that jump over from just doing these kind of every once in a while to actually starting that?
1: So Nick and I I forget we were emailing about something. I have the email saved on my old computer still that like is the start of PGA web design at the time. Oh yeah. where I sent him an email. I, oh, that's what it was. I got an email. I think he probably got spammed on the same list. Some guy was doing what we were doing. He was like a PGA pro or, or maybe not, but he was basically offering websites for golf professionals. And you know, saying, "Oh, it's a really cheap price. We'll do your website for this and And I think I forwarded it to Nick and I said, we could do this better because, you know, Nick is great at Photoshop and design. And I was like, I'll do the development. And so that's kind of where it started, uh, because we literally saw something else to it. And I was like, we could do this better. And we both agreed. And so that was the start of Golf Web Design. Mm -hmm. And so but yeah, you're right. Once once we started um, blasting to the list of PGA professionals, everybody did realize they were like, oh, wow, yeah, this is where it's going. This is where it's moving. Golf professionals need their own website. More golf courses need their own website. At that time, like 08, 09, hardly, like maybe half, not even half golf courses uh, at the time had a website. So, like, it was kind of like laughable to think about that now. But, yeah, so that that was – we were a little ahead of our time right there. And uh, people saw that V1 Sports, when they came to us, they saw us kind of advertising to golf pros. And that's how that relationship started with them because they were like, you are preaching the right message that we agree with. You want golf pros to have their own website. And we think the same thing
0: because their technology worked with their websites. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's, inter- it's interesting going from, you're, pro- you're a freelancer, basically, you're right? you're doing a few things on Craigslist to actually starting a business. Yes. Do, you, do you recall some of those early kind of hurdles in the business that oh, maybe you could share with anyone that uh, to, oh, maybe man. to help avoid?
1: Well, yeah, so many things to avoid, because, yeah, especially when you start something, you have no idea what you're doing and nobody to show you the ropes. Uh, Like, first of all, having a mentor would be awesome for anybody starting now. But, uh, yeah, we we learned a lot, like, you know, getting a Google voice number at the time was like that was like brand new. And we got a San Francisco number because we thought it'd be cool to be like, you know, a tech company even though we're in Georgia and Nick was in Virginia at the time and uh, (laughs) at one time a guy asked to call me back and he said what's your phone number and I totally forgot it I blanked on the phone call with him and I started stumbling over my words about yeah our number is like six five two something and (laughs) he started laughing at me be like you really don't know your own phone number. And I was so embarrassed. (laughs) So knowing your phone number, that's a big one. (laughs) Knowing what your company does and how to pitch your company is huge. Um, Yeah. In the beginning of starting any company, you you always think like, Oh, I'm going to have all this cool stuff. I'm going to have like all the right tools and all these things to make me do a really good job. Like none of that matters. The only thing matters when starting honestly is sales. Like, can you sell people? Is anybody willing to buy what you have. That is like the biggest thing. And honestly, it's still true to this day, anything regarding like whatever you're selling, whatever it is that you're going to start, as long as you have sales, that's going to get you started. If not, then you're just
0: going to sit there and look at yourself. Yeah. So is is someone willing to pay you for the service. And if there's a market, you know, you can keep, because that's what you, I mean, y'all did, obviously I I worked for for you guys for what, two years or so, like, and I Mm -hmm. saw firsthand is, is you were bootstrapping the whole time. Yes. Right? You kind of figure it yes. out as you go. You, yes. Hey, let's try this software. Let's do that. But I think what, what I noticed, at least over time, is you guys started to get really good with process, like like the way that you built the sites, the way that you were loading stuff in. Because at the beginning, I think, if I remember when I started, it was like, you know, you kind of piecemeal in each site. And then you're like, Wait a minute, why don't we just have it more of a template based and then do some configuration. So like, I think that's important. You know, maybe you can share anything on that of how important, you know, processes, having some sort of standardized processes is helpful to grow the business. Yes, especially once you start to hit any kind of scale, a process
1: is very, very important. Um, we noticed that, honestly, where when you came on, we moved from building each website for each customer, like a one-off custom design, to like you said, to a more of a templated route, but it still offered some flexibility. So it wasn't like, you know, a, a total template that we're giving somebody, it was still custom. But the biggest thing there was moving from one-off uh, sites that we set up on our server To a WordPress multi-site installation where you, the salesperson, were able to set up and launch a website easily, like instantly click a button and it's off and running versus me spending uh, two, three hours getting the server set up, installing WordPress, going through the whole show when it could be done in five minutes by a salesman. Like things like that are huge, absolutely huge in any business today, any kind of like software or anything that you can do virtually. I'm sure and anything manufacturing too. any process is super, super important. But, yeah, that is something um, we're actually launching a website for the Traveling Country Club here in Greenville real soon. And uh, it is funny. They launched about a year and a half ago and they realize now that uh, they need to step up their game. That's why we built a new website and app for them. Um, But looking back at their Stripe history and how they used to do things, there's like 30 different types of subscriptions in there. And and we had a conversation about that yesterday with them that like when they started, they didn't know what they were doing. They were offering their buddies a half off discount, somebody, you know, a 25% discount. And there was no real process in, in, Place and we saw that, and now me having to go out and sync their subscriptions with a new website, I'm hitting all these problems because I'm like, well, these are like legacy plans. Like we need to like systematize everything now. So yeah, yeah that would have been hugely important for them to do when they launched. Yeah. So
0: you know, it's interesting. You 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 had a word here that I actually just wrote down, and and you said it, which is ironic, um, is around subscription because. I, I wanted to ask you about pricing structure and especially when you're no one knows who the hell you are early on. How you know being able to actually say this is what we're worth and then yes. and kind of almost shutting up and let them say, All right, sure, I'll pay this. Um, so mm-hmm. I, if you can share just a little about those early days of the pricing, because you guys actually had subscription models before they were really popular. Yes. We did, and actually, we were thrown into that. Uh, we weren't going
1: to do that. Our initial fee was three ninety nine one time fee, and that was it. We were going to do free hosting and everything. When V one, uh, this company V one Sports, for anybody that doesn't know, they came to us and said, "What can you offer for our golf professionals?" And they said, "Well, it's something like thirty bucks a month or something like that." And that made us think, "Oh." yeah, maybe we should change our business model. So we were kind of thrown into that and luckily we were because that ended up being the best thing ever to to build a subscription model. So we went from just a one-time setup fee to a a low setup fee, but a recurring subscription model. And that's been fantastic. And you know, nowadays that's everywhere. I mean, that's what everybody's trying to do. And one thing on pricing, uh, have you ever heard that Steve Harvey quote actually? Did you, did you ever hear the, the Steve Harvey bit? He's got like, you know, on the Steve Harvey show, it's a random thing, but he talks about pricing and he talks about, you know, like you said, being worth what you charge. And it, I forget the one question that somebody in the audience had was about charging your friends. And they're like, well, I want to give my you know product away or my whatever away to my friends for free. And he's like, no, he's like, you, you don't want to do that. And first of all, he's like, they're not your friends if they expect you to give something to them for free they're your friend because they want to support you and pay whatever price that you are offering your product or service at. Mm-hmm. And like, it's a really good clip that he has on there. And so anytime that like people talk about, oh, giving your product away for free, I always say like, check out that clip. It's like actually a really good piece that he says. I know it's so random coming from Steve Harvey, yeah. but it's like actually a really <laughs> good piece of advice. Okay. But, um, but yeah, no, I, pricing, one thing that we've always like, that Nick and I, especially early on, we've always kind of went by is that you can always drop your price. It's hard to increase your price. It's hard to start low and say, all right, no, we got to charge, which you can. There's no saying you can't, but it's a lot easier to start high and then, you know, drop it if you need to. But yeah, pricing yourself appropriately, oh, so important. I see that. I still struggle with that. We we do that all the time and quoting out big projects, especially because, you know, especially when we know what somebody's budget is um, and what they're willing to pay. You, there's always the fear of saying, well, I don't want to go too high because I need the money or I really need this project. Um, so it is nice when you're in the position where you don't need a project, so you can just price it kind of more what you think would be appropriate for you, yeah. like where you're like, um, you know, if I get the project, great, but if I don't, no big deal. Um, yeah. So pricing it appropriately is is huge. And that's a tough thing to learn for each industry, I think. True. But definitely, I always say err on the high side.
0: Like yeah, you don't want the race it. of the yeah the race of the bottom is not yes uh, it's not a good business exactly. model for sure. It's well, and two like if you have you would rather have sometimes ten or fifteen clients paying more of a premium versus having to support eighty clients yes. at the same total price. That's it just exactly doesn't make right. sense from a staffing and resources exactly. standpoint as well.
1: And and the one thing with that that the the other side of that is it may be harder to land those bigger clients. Mm-hmm. But is, you know, is that runway worth it? Is it worth it landing those bigger clients and taking the time to land those versus landing the the
0: clients that are paying less, you know, which may be an easier get than the bigger ones? So, well, yeah. you know, it's it, it's interesting, too, that you mentioned that because I think, you know, my, obviously my sales career from the past, you know, whatever, 10 plus years. And one of the biggest things that I struggled with early on was like the whole point of, yeah, it costs a little more than their budget or, or what have you. But then you realize like the conviction of like, no, we have great value. There's a great product. This is what it's worth. And I mean, I've had, I've had folks that they have a certain budget and they find more money. It's a, funny how that works. How yeah, they, find, magical. They, find, yeah. they find more money when they want the product that they want. Exactly. Right? And yes. so I think if you, if you don't undercut yourself and you really yes. you come to the table, like this is our value, this is a fair trade of value there'll be people that pay for it. Um, if, yes. if you are providing that, you know,
1: exactly. And that's like the biggest thing for people to learn when starting a business. I have, have a freelancer working for me right now. And I've seen him do that in the past where he'll accept so little. I'm like, man, you're worth so much more than that, yeah. that, that you don't even know. So yeah, that is such a big thing when starting a company.
0: Yeah. What a I'll, I want to get into the, the Willio stuff here soon because I'm really yeah. fascinated. That was one of the reasons I reached out. But before I do that, talk me through – because obviously you're talking a lot about the beginning stages here, golf web design. Mm-hmm. And obviously you had um, uh, the the agency as well doing projects outside of golf. What's been kind of the the I guess toughest lesson? Maybe it's the business that you're like, oh, that was a failure. That was, like, do you remember some of those? Because obviously, you guys have had some success successes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything you'd share in those last maybe ten <laughs> or twelve years of like, oh, that was a complete flop. Maybe maybe. Yeah. maybe-
1: We've okay, yeah, so the the fuck up stories, the fuck up nights, yeah, <clears throat> um yeah, there's a whole meetup based around this. It's great. Um, so yeah, learned a ton over the past twelve years um in terms of starting and stopping businesses. Um, some of the ones that I've had to shut down, your brother and I started uh Hyber, the mattress company, that was a tough one shut down, and it was it was a slow. Uh, downhill, but you know, one of the things is when you realize that your company is only making enough to basically pay your expenses and nothing above that. And when you, and it's tough to like, if you're not going to take outside funding or you can't get outside funding to, to really bump up what you have, then it's tough, to, but you have to take a look in the mirror and say, <clears throat> is it worth going forward just to pay your expenses? What is that really doing for anybody? Are you providing value for yourself, or you know, can you support yourself off it? You know, we've had that uh, happen to us. That that's well, what happened with hybrid.
0: Well, actually, it's funny you mentioned that because it, it's kind of around this idea um, around sunk costs. Like you've put so much time and energy, mm-hmm. and you feel like, well, I have to yes. keep going with it. Because by yes. the way, the mattress—I'm still sleeping on the mattress. Phenomenal yeah, me mattress. Too. Yeah, I love it. phenomenal mattress. I love it. So it wasn't the Thank product you. as an issue. you're it right. was getting outside investment plus you have all these big companies that were getting massive massive money yeah, thrown uh, their way and stuff could you but just like, share that a little bit of that because i think that was i remember talking with nick a lot about this but because i even questioned it at the first like man why, why you guys that's such a great idea i like the, <laughs> where you're going but i think yeah. afterwards yeah you start realizing like hey even if it's a great product doesn't mean you oh, yeah. should be in the market because maybe it's too right. saturated or whatever. But
1: <clears throat> Well, that's it was going back to what we were talking about earlier. I mean, like you said, you can have the best product in the world, but if you don't have sales, then what is it? it literally, it's just sitting in your warehouse, not selling. So sales is the number one biggest thing. But yeah, when you have a, a market like we were in, the online mattress market, and I, I really don't know what that kind of landscape looks like today. Um, I know it has shifted a little bit. But at the time, it was really hot when we were in it. So many other competitors were just getting into that. They were getting funding, or maybe they already had money to really just spend on marketing. And that's really all it was, was a big marketing game, is to just, not to trick the consumer, I hate to say that, but to sell the consumer and sell in a better way and more direct or with a better message or just in front of more people, And so, the more people you're in front of, obviously the odds are that you're going to sell. And so, we had a a smaller share of those eyeballs that we're getting in front of. So, like you said, we had a a fantastic product, but just we couldn't get it in front of enough eyeballs. So, yeah, yeah, that was just a tough thing that we had to do. It was, uh, you know, to take it down. But in the end, I mean, I think it's just like one of the, the best things being free, but, but you are right. Um going back to your things about saying like sunk cost, Yeah. If you did put like a lot of time into something and then say, you may have like an emotional attachment to it saying, man, we put so much time. I put years of my life into this just to shut it down. That it, It's tough. And you, you got to swallow that pill sometimes, but um, yeah, that's, that's happened. Yeah. And it's happened like, honestly with like a, a piece of software I had back in the day, Swingloft. That was oh, like yeah. something I put like, thirties of thousands of dollars into and literally just had to pay that back myself because it didn't make its own. It didn't make money back. I had developers in Pakistan build it for me. So they built it in a, in a format and in a language that other developers didn't really want to pick up on, or it would have cost me even more like that same amount to like update the software. So I had to, and people, but people were using it, which was cool. I had like a hundred plus golf pros using it. Yeah. Um, but eventually I had to like, shut it down. I couldn't maintain it. The server alone was $150 a month to run. Mm. And at the time, like that was a lot of money for me. And I was like, for for a product that I can't update, that needs updates, why would I still offer it to the world
0: and sell it? So I had to shut it down. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a tough thing, but... Well, it is interesting yeah. though. It, it, it kind of gets me thinking again. Getting into, I want to get into Willio a little bit because I, I, when I saw that pop up, I was like, "Oh, this is really fascinating." But what is a testament to though, and I don't think gets talked about enough, is it's so important to get started, mm-hmm. but it's also understanding we don't know how short life is, right? I can get popped off tomorrow. Yeah. We never know, yeah. but it's you've been, you know, because you've only been developing you start with web development, let, call it 12 years, 13 years, right? Mm-hmm. It's the fact that you kept with it. I mean, you're a very talented developer in terms Appreciate of, prod, you know, yeah. So, and I know enough to be dangerous in that space. So maybe you're more talented than I'm even giving you credit for, who knows? But the the reality is though, that you could have stopped, like you could have done ah, the website stuff, let's just move on to something else, or, but you kept practicing the craft. And now doing that, you've been able to, obviously code a ton of different products we have willio here that you're doing so i what i'm saying is i, I kind of want to just make sure we underscore that it's that you kept going with that talent that you didn't know no. anything about 13 14 years ago but you kept moving forward with it yes. and now where you are today so i don't know if you want to add anything on top i just want to make a statement there more yeah. than anything
1: no no yeah and it is uh see what the thing i like I, I do like change i really i've realized about that about myself i love change but i don't um, how do I want to put this? Uh, web development has let me see a lot of new things all the time. So that, that's been the one constant that I've stuck with. But I've started many businesses around web development. And that's one of the things I really like about it is that I get to see lots of different businesses like starting Willio, Golf Web Design, Arbate Digital. Like we have more non-golf projects now than we ever had. Um, and that's really exciting for me because I get to see lots of different industries. We're working on a home appraisal app. Um, so that's kind of really fun to see a lot of different new exciting things, but still within my, you know, ballpark of web development. Yeah. So, well, so how did how did you get to Willie? How the heck did this come about? So, you know, <laughs> why don't you explain to everyone what that is first? What What is Willie? Yes, in? I will. I will. So let me let me preface that with it is fun uh, on the same vein, uh, being a web developer, because I have people pitch me all the time. of Like, hey, I have this idea. I want to build the eBay for Uber but with, you know, uh, dating involved yeah. and the, the, all these crazy ideas. And I, I always hear them and I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. You know, a lot of the times you're like, hey, that's a good idea. Probably could work. Are you willing to put up the money and the time and the effort to like launch that to just get started? Yeah. And a lot of the times the answer is no, they, because they, they want somebody to like, they want somebody to be their crutch, either to give them an out of why it's too hard or to be like, well, can't you just do it for me? And I'll be the, the idea of the guy behind it or something. Right. Um, so finally, I, I heard an idea that I said, Ooh, yeah, that's a great idea. I actually want to be a part of that. I don't want to just build it and you pay me. I would like to be a part of that. Um, lawyer came to me, told me about, uh, the online will landscape about how you can go online and create a will. And at that time, that was, you know, over like a year and a half ago. And I heard about it. I was like, "That's it's a good idea. Um, but and and it is out there, you know, there's like uh, LegalZoom mm-hmm. and there's like Willing.com, a couple of these that have been out for a little while. And you basically just go and answer some easy questions and it prints out your will. And it's legal, you know, it's good. It's not for everybody. But he told me that this is like the real kicker, that digital wills are federally legal, but only four states right now will um, accept a digital will. It's only legal in four states, Florida. I think it's like Arizona, Iowa, uh, it's, yeah, I know Florida for sure. And the other ones we're not too focused on right now. But he told me that only four states allow le- uh, digital wills, but he's on the council for South Carolina to push that legislation through to make digital wills legal in South Carolina. So he wanted to have a website to be ready for when that legislation does open up. And I said, yeah. well, that's really smart. And I was like, why aren't digital wills a thing anyway? And he's like, yeah, everybody, like people are old school. States still want that wet signature on a document. Like right now, if you, and in South Carolina or North Carolina, if you have a will, it has to be printed out, has to have your signatures, the notary stamp, two witnesses, and you have to hope in 30, 40, 50, 80 years, somebody finds that piece of paper, will, wherever you kept it, and... The probate court can read that. Mm. Versus digital, if it's digital, you can go to a website, look it up and say, yep, this is Eric Arbe's will. Here it is. I I feel like in 30, 40 years, that's gonna be way easier to find than a piece of paper where you may not know if it's in a lockbox. Do people even still use lockboxes? Is it in my closet? Is it my kid's house? You know, stuff like that. So when he told me about the whole digital will landscape and what's coming um, and the fact that it is legal in Florida and that we can launch in Florida right away, uh, that really, really intrigued me. So this is one of the business ideas where I was like, all right, yeah, I'm I'm excited about this. So that is where Willio came from and and how that kind of gets started. So now I'm very excited because we're going to get to incorporate blockchain technology into it. So it's verifiable. So if I know Brian Andrecos will, I want to go and try to find that. Yeah. Well, how do I know that's like perfectly verifiable that it's that, never been tampered with? Well, if you use blockchain technology, we can vastly improve the security and, you know, authenticity
0: of your digital will. Hmm. That's so, all. I was going to ask you about blockchain because I was actually. Just oh, yeah. Fin- I just finished up listening to um, one of the co-founders of Ethereum that was on Tim yeah. Ferriss. Did you listen to that? I don't know if you listen. Oh, no, I haven't. I'll check that out. It's probably you would probably understand it. Me, I was like lost half the time because of the oh, way really? she was talking crazy. But it was pretty. And then uh, Naval Ravikant was actually co-hosting yeah. as well. So It was a really, uh, was a really awesome. good episode. Yeah. Yeah. Go look. Nice. It was a few episodes back for Tim. But okay. um, but yeah, I was going to ask you about that as like the security. Like, how did you, how did you yes. go about developing and, and any insight into there? Maybe thinking through the lens of not just today, but also for years to come.
1: Yeah. So the, so right now, uh, Willio only does print out your will. Basically it's a series of questions that you go through and answer that you have to kind of think through. Um, some of them with your spouse, you know, if you have a spouse, it's about like your kid and how much percentage you want to leave to them. It lets you create a trust, which is one of our differentiators. When he, when the lawyer, my business partner in this, he, he told me about that. I, it's like everybody always upcharges for a minor children will to create a trust. And, uh, he's like you. Why? It's just extra verbiage in the contract. So we don't. So it's just one step free, whether you have a minor children will or just a regular will. Mm-hmm. Um, that made total sense. So you go through and answer all the questions, and you print out your will. You can also print out your power of attorney um, and your health care documents. Those are all the things you need to create an estate plan. And so that that's the technology behind it right now is it's it's complex in in that it takes all your input and then. Kind of smartly crafts the will and based on everything that you'll need and all the percentages that you want to offer for your, you know, either your spouses or your, your children or whoever you want to get, you know, whatever portion of your estate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's already, so the version two of the digital wills is under development. Okay. And yeah, so that in terms of like security, um, Florida makes you become what's called a qualified custodian. A qualified custodian is the holder of those digital wills. So you kind of think of it as like the online cloud storage for digital wills. So at any time, the probate court might need to say, you know, John Smith died. Okay, let's find John Smith's digital will. Here it is. Let's go to the actual qualified custodian that's qualified to hold his digital will. The security behind that would obviously be um, very rigorous in terms of like authentication, authentication. in terms of who can access it, uh, wills really, they don't have to be like a very private thing. They can be a public thing. I mean, you can see my will and see where my stuff is going to. I'm, I'm not like too concerned about it. Obviously, I guess the only security concern there would be like, well, what if somebody wants to kill you because they know you're in your will? Um, that'd be, that'd be kind of bad. Yeah, <laughs> But, um, but in terms of security, there's obviously privacy concerns um, that we have to be aware of, you know, the whole server and the whole cloud storage, everything has to be like HIPAA compliant, all that stuff. Um, and then the, but the, the blockchain part of it that I'm very excited about is, is going to involve basically a hashing method to say that, this will is absolutely unique. If you were ever to try to tamper with it, you could compare the hash. So you'd have like a unique code that you'd put in on the website to say, is this the unique, uh, is this Brian Andreco's will? And then yes or no, true or false, because we'd be able to tell if that exact code has been tampered with or not. Yeah. So, hmm. yeah, it's, uh, it's it's pretty exciting in what we can do with it because it's also something we can apply to legal signatures. I don't know if the guy with Ethereum he's probably obviously talking about smart contracts and stuff like that, which has kind they of a different up, meaning. Yeah, they brought up uh,
0: smart contracts a little bit. Yeah,
1: yeah. So that has a different meaning than an actual like smart contract. And in, in, when I say it like in dumb layman's terms, because you can easily create a smart contract in terms of, let's say you have a contract that you and I sign, right? It's an agreement. It's got both of our signatures. We can hash that, put it on a blockchain and come back to it a year later and check to verify that. And if we upload the document that we both think is the document that we signed and we upload it and it said, no, we check with the, the blockchain that it's on. And if it says, no, this is not a match, that means the document we have has been tampered with. Mm. So then we would know, hey, hey, there's an issue here. What, what, who tampered with it? How did this get changed? So we'd be able to verify that on a blockchain. Hmm. So That's, that, yeah. yeah, that whole process of, of doing that is pretty much the same thing for a will. It's, it's a legal document that you sign that everybody agrees to and you go from there. Now, the one thing that I did not talk about as well is the actual notary process that has just only become like that much more important now with COVID. Mm -hmm. Just like we're doing now, the Zoom call, this is pretty much how um, online notarization is going to happen. It's going to be a Zoom call. There'll probably be two more people on a call like this. Let's say you're the you're signing your will, I'd be a witness, you'd get another witness and then a notary. It'd be a recorded call. I'd ask you, okay, are you Brian Andrico? Please show me your, you know, your driver's license. Mm-hmm. Let me watch you sign a document and it'd really be like an electronic signature. So you kind of think of it like a Google Doc where I could see you typing. Yeah. And so that recorded session right there would be your signature process and basically your your signature showing how it happened um so if the probate court ever needed to prove hey did brian actually sign this was he under duress was he under you know undue influence okay. we could prove it and verify and so, will that be a part of willio is this is this a, yes okay yes, cool exactly so you're gonna so have so you, you get your you know complete electronic will plus the actual like you know signature session so yeah that's that's like a
0: mandatory with anybody doing digital wills what did you what did you learn from past businesses you started that helped you start in this one? Maybe to, to hyper speed, I guess, past yeah. was there anything yeah. you remember from those days that was really impactful? Absolutely. And it's
1: you know, working with a founder that's never um started a business before, there are a lot of things. Um, definitely when it comes to marketing and getting to market, just building your list ahead of time, having a proper marketing message, knowing where you're gonna launch and what kind of um like PR that you want or that you're going to try to get initially Mm -hmm. versus saying, Hey, we're just going to spend, you know, money on ads. Like, no, you need like a targeted campaign. You know, you need to say, what is my exact audience that want to go after? I don't want to just blanket everywhere and just waste a lot of money. You usually want to start with some kind of niche. So definitely learn that from past businesses Um, and like where to launch, how to launch what to do. You know, are we bootstrapping it or are we not? I know the, I'm pretty good at the bootstrapping now. Um, and it helps being a developer too. And you know, we don't have a lot of expenses when it comes to development. So, uh, yeah, there's probably a lot more things that I'm I'm missing in terms of like launch. But one of the biggest things is like knowing where and how to actually launch a product versus just putting it out there and saying, okay, now what are people going to come to me? It's like, yeah. just like we were talking about before, you can have the best product in the world, but if nobody knows about you, then what good is it? Yeah. So, yeah.
0: One of the one of the things I wanted to ask you, and we can we keep talking about Willio as well, but and actually sidestep this a little bit, because um, this may help some folks. I'm actually curious because your wife is in business with you now. You guys yeah. own Arbe Digital, right? Yes. I, wa- I was actually curious to ask, because we never talked about this, the decision to... Because that's a big, you guys already, you know, around each other. Some people don't like to be around your wife. You guys get oh, along, uh. I know. But like the to actually go into business together, and because you, yeah. you both have, you know, different skill sets, which I think complements, you'd probably agree. But what was the decision to actually go that route, decide, hey, this is a business we want to do together? Yes. Can you talk through those early decision stage? Oh, plans? man.
1: You know, we get, first of all, we get the question asked a million times a day. Anybody that, that okay. meets us and, and <laughs> says, oh, your husband and wife, you work together. How do you work together? That yeah. is the number one question good. I want it all good. the time. All the time. Yeah. I'm and not alone we, on an island. <laughs> no, you're not. We get that question asked all the time. Um, we actually get along with each other. Um, surprisingly, we've learned a lot of couples do not get along with each other. Yeah. And that's okay, I guess, you know, but we actually like each other. We get along with each other. Um, Second of all, when we're, we've got two little children that are four and two, uh, we don't get to talk a lot at home. The kids occupy all our time and do all the talking for us. So it's like, anytime we try to have a conversation at home, we, we laugh about it too. It's like, I'll try to actually like talk about something serious or get into something, you know, that's a little complicated without a doubt one of our daughters uh, comes up to us mommy mommy daddy daddy and and we're like yeah we'll talk later yeah. and so that 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 is the other thing we actually get to talk at at work so that's nice um but yeah it it works because we actually we get along with each other we like each other we don't we're not the type of couple that like you know fights and has you know like knockdown, down drag out type fights. Um, so we, we really like each other and it's just, it's really good. And, and we're separate too. I mean, we drive, we don't drive to work together and spend the every waking hour together. You know, she may have to go do something in the morning. I'll go work out, um, when she won't. So, you know, we'll, we'll, have our separate days, but, um, yeah, working together has been, has been really good because we do have separate skills and, you know, she likes to be on the phone. I don't like being on the phone a whole lot, um, so that works out great, you know, things like that. We, we know uh, our, our strengths and weaknesses and we can, you know, kind of work around those. So, so yeah, and the the decision to do that really just came out of like uh, timing and everything happened at the, the right time. We're really lucky to be, especially, I mean, that couldn't have been at a better time with COVID when that came around. Because, you know, working for yourself and being able to set your own schedule is like such like, uh gift I should say I don't know for for lack of better words but I'm very grateful that I get to do that I mean just to be able to take a three o'clock you know zoom call whereas if I was working you know at Starbucks I couldn't do that if I was working at any other you know manufacturing job I couldn't say hey Brian you know, I'd have to be like hey let's do this after hours you know at seven o'clock at night when I'm okay. home but then I might have kids so they might be like well nine o'clock after the kids are in bed yeah so uh so yeah, so that that worked out. Us having two small children, especially at the time, knowing that she could have a flexible schedule, I already had a pretty flexible schedule. Uh, that just that kind of made sense for both of us. So yeah, now and especially with last
0: year just being as crazy as it was for everybody, um, it ended up being really really good. So did you ever did you put any like lines in the sand or different things to like <laughs> make sure like hey, the, you know, yes. just to kind of separate work and home? I don't know we did in the, in the beginning, we did set some boundaries and we kind of we basically set up the
1: ground rules to say, all right, these are the parameters of us working together. And it ended up, you know, we're both really easygoing people. So that really helped. Um, but we did set up some parameters. I made a list of things just for us to talk about in the beginning to like get it out of the way yeah. to get things kind of aired out and make sure we're both on the same page. And once you do, once we did, then things are good. And, you know, you can, and I think that's good for like any founders really, because it's a relationship between founders. And so knowing everybody's on the same page that you're clear about expectations and things like that, that is super important. So like anybody getting started with a business partner or business partners, I'm witnessing a good friend of mine having to buy out one of his business partners
0: um, now. And, you know, it's a, it's a tricky time. So, Yeah. yeah. I, I, that actually is a is a good thought around like contracts. Do you have like with the lawyer you said, for the, that how important it is to put a contract in place, oh, yeah. make sure that yeah. it's, I, I think I remember actually on Tim Ferriss now, I keep referencing him in this podcast, but like, I think he had Gary Keller on, and he was talking about, you know, you know, they're not agreements, they're disagreements because contracts <laughs> only have to be really enacted when you're. Ready exactly. to separate or, or get rid yes. of each other. Yeah,
1: that is so true. Yeah, yeah. It, it's always good to have those because in case a disagreement does arise, you can just fall back to that. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, and especially working with a lawyer. Yeah. Now, I, I do realize how important contracts are and we've always kind of known it. But, you know, sometimes business becomes friendly or things like that. But it is always good. Your brother was a big proponent of always having contracts with people to be like, we need it in writing just to make sure if something happens, if something comes up. Yeah. And that that is true, I think, because a lot of people... Uh, especially when they're getting started in their bootstrapping a company, they may think it's too expensive to get a lawyer to write a contract, but you, maybe you don't really have to get a lawyer. There's probably a template out there that would be just as good somewhere on the web that you know you can modify to your terms and at least it's something yeah. versus having absolutely nothing. Yeah, because I've heard stories as well of um, bad situations between business owners that didn't have contracts yeah. and yeah. Well, I learned this so lesson the hard
0: way just going through you know my children's book Um, Oh, that'll be out soon. Right. Is, yeah, I, I should have had a contract with the prior illustrator and he was a friend. So I didn't, we we just kind of went through and it's like, well, we'll we'll get in place eventually. And, and I wish I had more. Now I have a lot in writing, but I wish I did because that obviously soured. Um, and I had to go another direction, but to your point, Um, if we got, if that was like day one, no, 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 let's make sure this is all in writing. Yes, and what have you, and and but I learned that, and the other illustrator that I work with, he was great. Day one, we got a contract in place just yep. to outline everything, all the yep. timelines, all the deliverables. So yes, and people I think it is always
1: important. think,
0: yep. yeah, oh, it's so important. But I think a lot of people don't do it because
1: they think it would like they think it's like being mean in yeah. terms of like, uh, yeah, it's basically like, oh well, let's let's sign a contract before we get started, and they're like, what, you don't trust me. You know, that's kind of, I think people's, everybody's initial reaction. And mm-hmm. I think that is, it's not how it should be looked at at all, mm-hmm. but that is how a lot of people view it as, oh, what, you don't trust me? You want me to sign this piece of paper to prove this? Uh, I thought we were friends. Yeah. And so I think you're, you're saying we are friends by saying, hey, we're not going to muck up the waters by signing this. This is going to help us keep everything nice and clean and separate. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's a huge, important like tip for anybody starting a business. Yeah.
0: Let me ask you this to end on here. And I appreciate the time. Yeah. I know we've we've gone a little bit. Um, so I want you to think back and, and I some I like to play this your younger self. You know, maybe even you're, yeah. you're maybe you're even uh in front of a high school class and you're talking to them. You know, it, it could be you could take it however you want, but if you were to think about all the lessons, all the insights over the years, and maybe the one—I know you can probably spit off fifteen million of them, right? But what do you think maybe is the one that resonates the most, the most impactful kind of thing that you've learned over your—let's—and you could do your whole life, but maybe your adult life or this kind of career life, if you will—is uh, mm-hmm. there one piece that you would share to that younger audience or your younger self to say, "Hey, think about this" as you move forward.
1: Yeah. Um one thing that does man, there's a lot, and this is so tough to to not have any prior thought to it. One thing that does stick out is choose your choose people wisely. And I see this a lot recently in customers. Um, and, and contractors too, and not contractors I'm working with, like contractors for my home and gardening and stuff. Like people are unreliable. Uh not not everybody, but it is frustrating to be at a point in my career when I I maintain a certain level of standards and working with other people that don't. And Mm -hmm. so that, that gets really frustrating. So it's like, and I just see it more and more. And especially like in, in our children's school, I see it. And it's like, there are some, sometimes when you just want to choose your people wisely. And I say that in a broad sense, in terms of whether it's like, your customers or people working for you you know obviously new hires if you're hiring anybody yeah. that's that's a huge like like hire slowly you know very like like really vet the people um because it's it could come back to bite you in the end and it's a hard thing to learn um and it's like like a guy just texted me this morning he was supposed to stop by to, to look at removing a couple stumps out of my yard and was like hey i can't make it uh maybe i can come there tomorrow I'm like really what uh so it, it's it's tough i know that's nice. just like life life but you know i'm like now i don't want
0: to work with him you know if, if he's gonna uh, do me well like if you're that. Not t- yeah and if you're not it like you're running a business or he's in yes. terms of him he's running a business like yes if that's how you treat the customers you're not scheduling whatever how are you going to be like removing when the stump gonna are you going to do yes. it 70 percent of the way exactly yeah
1: Exactly, yeah. So it, it reflects, yeah, things like that really reflect a long way in people's businesses and, and how they go about it. So, yeah, that is a really, really important lesson. And it, it, it's and it's tough to, like, identify, but if you're at least a little bit aware of it, and you can say, all right, let me check into this person a little bit. Do I want to do business with this person? You know, like, it,
0: it helps. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's a thought, too, of, like, does it feel good? Is that intuition yes. there? Like, hey, this is someone yeah. that I would, you know, I would go have – uh, have you ever heard of the uh the mall test the the it, i, I no. think i think it was called like the uh, yeah i think the mall test is probably going to call it whatever the shopping mall test or whatever um but uh guy kawasaki um, oh, yeah. and he uh, but anyways there's, there's i'll tell this quick story but like there's three different types of people right if you're going to a mall and you see someone and you're like you have to like if i saw you at the mall i would run up right away and like eric dude man, yeah. i haven't seen you in a while. what's going on like you know you're all jacked up And then the second person is like, you're like, oh, hey, you know, hey, Eric, what's going on? And and you kind of move around your way, like you'll acknowledge them, you'll be polite, Mm -hmm. whatever. And then the third type is the one that you'll avoid you're like you know what let's go the other direction like i don't want to see them right so it's like does someone pass your mole test <laughs> and would you would it be someone that you would want to go up and have a conversation with you would yes. you would have an honest discussion with you would you know, oh. care about them that's kind of how you can potentially choose the the right person there but, you go yeah. that's perfect i love it never heard that but that's great yeah um it's from test. yeah i think he he mentions it the, the the book art of the start uh oh okay book have um, yeah it's an interesting concept oh. I I heard it first from my mentor Rob and uh but I was like this is really interesting like uh, yeah that I never is... thought about how simple terms of that but
1: that's how we all do it you know yeah yeah
0: right uh, yeah well, when you say that you're like well yeah yeah there are people you'd be like eh. yeah what <laughs> um, what's uh what are you excited about coming up obviously you're working on willio you got already yeah. digital you got anything you're excited about to, to share with the yeah. audience over the next handful of months or
1: yeah, well, Willio is really the big one. And it's um, it's kind of funny because w- you get some projects sometimes, especially in my line of work, that kind of line up with each other. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you actually have a a, pay- a paying client asking you to do something that perfectly aligns with kind of your side hustle, mm-hmm. uh, things are good. So we've I've got that going on, which is really nice. Um, but there's also another project uh, called backswing.com. Mm. that I launched um, not too recently, well, pretty recently, actually. And we launched The Fix by Backswing, which is basically, we've got about 500 golf professionals contributing articles to our website. um, And we found a way to basically connect them with average golfers. You go on, right? And this is especially kind of spurred out of the idea of COVID of virtual lessons. Mm -hmm. You want a lesson, right? Maybe you don't want to pay a ton of money, and you don't actually want to go see a golf pro, you just want kind of some personalized instruction from the comfort of your home. You, you videotape your swing down the line and face on, send it to backswing.com. We pair you up with an instructor, somebody, a fantastic instructor from around the globe. They analyze your videos, send you back a personalized swing analysis and say, hey, this is what you need to work on here, Brian. Yeah. So that's what we were just about to launch the fix. Um, but backswing has been gone. We've
0: been launching a lot of articles on there. So yeah, yeah I saw that when I was doing fun. some research. That, that, I, that's really interesting. The, uh, yeah. kind of bringing those two groups together. Cause it is a need. Um, everyone can't yeah. get out and do, you know, golf lessons every day. And as someone yeah. that used to teach golf, I know, like it's, you the game's know. changing a lot, you know, it is, I know,
1: I know. So I'm excited to see how that goes. That, that's kind of a, kind of a fun side thing that, um, you know, we'll see, hopefully it does something if not, Again, it's time sunk. It's a good deal of time sunk, but uh, hopefully that'll at least pay for itself. That's awesome. So, Where yeah. can everyone find you online? Where's the best spot to, to connect? Say hello. Yep. Uh, there's so many places now. There's Golf Web Design. There's rbaydigital.com or my personal website, which is ericar.be. It's just my full name. There is no .com. That's probably the best place to just find me directly. Uh, hasn't been updated in a while. Probably should be. Um, but Yeah. Those do you hang the, out on any of the
0: socials a lot? Are You are, uh, You
1: know, I'm on LinkedIn probably the most of the socials. Twitter infrequently and Facebook the least, um, but Instagram occasionally. So yeah. LinkedIn is probably
0: the def, definitely the best place to find me awesome, on, on the socials. Yeah. Dude, I could probably spend like five more hours talking to you, but I, I know you got other yeah. stuff to do as well. But, uh, dude, I, I so appreciate you coming on and chatting. And, uh, obviously. loved it. More obviously being a good friend over the years. So I certainly uh, appreciate it a lot. And uh, thanks again. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview. And thanks again for stopping by the Just Get Started podcast. Uh, Grateful to have you here. And if I could just make one quick ask before you run along on your day, you know, I've grown this podcast organically over the last three plus years. And it's from the great listeners that pick up, you know, a quote or a key learning, or just enjoy the entertainment of the podcast, and they share it out to their audience. They leave a review on Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Um, and I'd ask that for you as well. If you've made it to this point and are listening in, um, a lot of the podcast uh, platforms that you listen on have a share button right there where you can share it out to your audience on various platforms. So. I would be so appreciative if you wouldn't mind taking a quick second to do that um, if you really enjoyed this episode. So thanks again. i happy to connect online. I always love to meet new people. So if you want to go to my website, Brianondraco.com or connect with me, I'm at brianondraco basically everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, even Clubhouse, that new app that's out there, uh, you name it. So uh, follow me online and uh, certainly look forward to connecting further. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.